Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. And I think we can actually call this Mailbag Friday, Derek. It truly is. It truly is Mailbag Friday. We're back on it. It is. And it's also brought to you by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. Convenient location right there off I-75 in London. You can make it out to Wings and Rings. Derek, I was actually talking to them yesterday about us at some point this summer, hopefully getting down there and doing and recording an episode, a mailbag episode right there on site at Wings and Rings. Uh, it's a great place to be now that things are getting back to normal in the state of Kentucky and with sports. If you can't make it to Kroger Field this fall, I'm telling you, Wings and Rings is the perfect place to be to catch a game. Delicious menu options there with those wings, those chicken tenders. I'm telling you, the salads, all of that menu, I've I've not tried. There's not been one thing that's disappointed me on that menu. So I encourage you to make it out to Wings and Rings if you're passing through London. And uh, we look forward to making it out there as well. But, Derek, let's jump right into the mailbag. We have a blend here of football and basketball. Obviously, we're there's a ton of questions about 2022 recruiting. Some that we will do our best to answer. Some are kind of we look and we're like, I, I really don't know who's going to be the first guy to pull the trigger when it comes to 22. Uh, but let's start with Ben's question. Let's start with a, just an icebreaker here. Pepsi products or Coke products? And then he also – and says, and why did you hate us and not t- talk to us for over a week? We may never emotionally recover. Well, it was impossible. I was home for about six days, but I spent a total of 22 hours in my house. And that was majority sleeping because I've been so busy with camps and everything. But that is done. And now we're back. But I'm also going to say Coke products, Derek, because the the Cherry Coke is my weakness. And regardless of whatever product, that Coke has cherry Coke is like literally, I don't know what is in that, but if I go take a sip of it right now, I'll probably be taking seven 20 ounce bottles with me to Lexington tonight. Yeah. So I grew up in a Pepsi town. There's actually a Pepsi plant in Corbin, but I am definitely team Coke on this. Um, <laughs> Sean, when you go, I don't know if you ever venture over to Sonic, but if you ever go to Sonic, and I mean, I'm not saying this is exclusively at Sonic. It's just something I started getting recently is the uh, cherry vanilla Coke. He yes. added in there and uh, that's good stuff. Um, I do. I mostly just drink regular Coke. Uh, that's, that's what we usually buy from Kroger. My wife and I, when we go over there, I do have, I was, I think among, among like the last kids who in Kentucky, their elementary schools, like still sold soda. I, I definitely think, even by the time I was about to get out of elementary school, that that was starting to go away. I guess they just thought it wasn't healthy for kids to give a bunch of nine-year-olds pop at the end of the day or soda, whatever people want to call it. But I, I have like any time I have wild cherry Pepsi, it like brings me back to elementary school because that was what was in the vending machine. But um, now I know a lot of people back home work at Pepsi that pays the bills. So I've got nothing against Pepsi. I've just yeah, I, I buy Coke though. So you I, you grew up in the the Pepsi plant town, and I grew up in the Coke plant town. It's yeah. literally it was less than half a mile from my house. Uh, crazy thing is about this question though, I haven't had either of those products since March. Not I'm a drop. Man. I was actually just drinking a Coke before we started this. So I'm I'm down 25 pounds, which that's also exercise and everything else and diet changes. But I've not had one. But I almost uh, gave in over the weekend. When we were up in Wisconsin, I was like, oh, I want one. 
but I didn't do it, but I'm going to say Coke products. And then off, obviously we're back to normal. Ben, I'm, I'm sorry. We apologize. Uh, I made sure I put something out on Twitter. We also changed host. That took a few days too yeah. for, for Blue Wire to convert over to a, a new platform. So that was kind of thrown in there at the same time. And then two things got kind of quiet with news, but we're back now. And let's go ahead and dive into this mailbag. Some of these questions we're going to group together, but I'm going to start with the question that Derek picked out right from the beginning before we even started hitting record. And it comes from John. Two questions. With the latest departure of Luke McCaffrey and exodus of other players, what is your prediction for U of L football? We'll start with that one, Derek. And then we'll get to the two part, the second part of it. I texted a Louisville source to figure out what was actually going on with McCaffrey. I don't think I ever heard back. If I did, I just totally must have missed it. Things have been somewhat uh, busy off the record with some other things I'm digging on, not for any of the major sports with basketball or football, just another sport at UK. So I don't really know. Like the McCaffrey deal seems strange because it seemed like he must have been under the impression that despite Louisville having a starting quarterback already and Malik Cunningham or yeah, I think his name is Malik now. I know he's changed his name a few times. I don't want to get that wrong. But, you know, he was there. He's been the starter the last two years. Um, I don't know if he thought he was going to come in and, and start or if that was his impression or what, but it seems very odd that he would get there and last about two weeks and then just bolt. Uh, I'll say on the surface, I don't know how good McCaffrey really is. Okay, I, he was not a – stand out by any means i don't think in nebraska yeah he's a guy who had some experience it's just more of an odd situation uh and then with some other players i know they had a few guys leave i think one of their defensive backs they were counting on had some uh legal trouble so i'm sure that played a role in him leaving louisville um but my prediction for for louisville i mean i think they benefit for sure playing in a bad division you know pretty much any given year Clemson is going to be better, and Florida State on paper should be better than Louisville every single year. But past that, I don't know that you should say that Virginia or Boston College or I don't know if Wake Forest is on their side or what. But basically, they're going to play four or five teams a year that they should recruit better than and they have better facilities than. But for this year, I, I don't really know what to think. I think if they just get to a bowl game, it'll be a pretty good step for them because that's a roster that – we talked about it a couple months back, just the team talent based on the guys, what they were ranked out of high school. There's not a lot of high-end talent on that team. So, I don't know. I've not looked at their schedule in a while. I know they start the year with Ole Miss. That should tell you a little bit. I mean, Ole Miss should have a pretty good offense. Maybe the defense is going to be a little bit better. But I would say around 6-6 six and six might be my prediction. Yeah, which then gets us into the second part of that question. How many games does UofL coach Satterfield have to win to keep his job? Uh, winning record, maybe, 500? What do you think? Anything under 500? Do you think that that gets him fired? Or what? I mean, his biggest screw-up was just kind of having a bad year and flirting with that South Carolina job so hard. I think that pissed a lot of Louisville people off. Did. Having yeah. a bad year and then still trying to leave, like – but no, I mean, I would and going to 2B where John asked, will he be on the sidelines for the UK game? I mean, I would be stunned if he wasn't. Um, I I don't think Louisville would can him after three years either. I mean, the AD who was there, Vince Tyree, he hired Satterfield. Yeah, I get that things weren't great, but I think more than anything, 
maybe people got fooled a little bit with how good – well, I'll say how good they were. They won eight games. It was a good year. I mean, it really was. But they were coming off a two-win season. They won eight games in year one. I think that might have changed what people thought they were supposed to be. I mean, there has been a big dip in talent. You got to think Bobby Petrino basically wasn't recruiting anyone of, of talent, basically. Like, some of the older guys in the program who were there had some talent. and It's almost like a situation somewhat like what you saw with UK baseball at Mingeon. Like – he won with other guys' players, guys that didn't look so good when they played under the current coach, that then he got a lot out of those guys that first year. But they've had a lot of guys to replace. With that said, though, I would be – I just don't think Louisville's that kind of football school that you would get rid of a coach after three years, honestly. No, no I don't think so either, unless it's just horribly bad. Then, then maybe, but – I do think he'll be on the sidelines for the UK game, and that game will be at Louisville yep. this year. Which so it, it forever changes that lineup of when the Florida game and all, everything was at Lexington. Now it's kind of balanced and shifted it out to where Tennessee and Florida will be at home, but Louisville will be on the road, and then it'll flip for the next year. Which I, think I always that's probably a good thing. It is a good thing because it balances out the schedule. Like when you're talking about season ticket holders, there's always that year that was a really good year to have season tickets, and then that next year where you're like, mm, okay, you play Georgia at home, but then the rest of it, there's nothing there. I, I think that that does help it. It evens it out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With you. Let me ask you some, uh, some. Or do you want to stick with football or kind of just balance? Let's, let's run through football, and then okay. we'll do basketball in the back half. Brad asked a question here that I think we probably answered in our uh, previous podcast, but since Brad he probably hasn't had the chance to listen yet, he asked, with the commitment of Jacquez Jones, it sure is a position of need for our defense. The only other concern I see on defense would be outside linebacker. Uh, any chance of a late addition for that position, or is the roster done other than transfers out? Good question, Brad. Uh Again, we recorded two episodes today. I don't know if you had the chance to listen to the first one that was exclusively about Jacquez Jones and the UK defense. But, Sean, I would say I think that's a very fair concern at outside linebacker. You feel good about Jordan Wright, and that might be about it. Outside, because, like we said, J.J. Weaver is coming off an injury. I think you still feel good about him. Most guys come back from ACL injuries these days, no problem. But, again, you know, he hurt. He got hurt, what, like late November, right, when they played Florida. So the timeline of it, you know, he didn't go through spring ball with the team. He's been rehabbing the whole time. But until we see what he looks like, I think that's a fair concern. In terms of a late addition, I don't know. I mean, guys have until July 1st, I think, to go into the portal and be eligible to play that next season. Um, I think it's July 1st. It might be even – I need to look at the things. I know July 1st is definitely a date, though, for uh, some of the sports. So – I think they could certainly add another guy, but I don't know if they will at this point. Yeah, I I would say it's just about all but done, right? I mean, we're you're so late into summer now and starting workouts and things and guys on campus kind of feels like it's it's just about to the point that could you see could you see them moving somebody around possibly to get well, some, add some depth there? I mean, I never try to claim to be this football X's and O's guy, I, and I don't know how well I can explain it, but it seems like Vito Tisdale. Yeah. They did that at the end of last year. They put him at strong side linebacker. I don't know if you would technically say he's like a strong side linebacker. but it's physical, he, physical as he plays, though. Yeah. 
Well, in the way that UK runs its defense, I think you can kind of get away with not having to have like four true linebackers out there. I think you can bring Vito down in the box um, and do things like that. So I think that's kind of a workaround is by getting Vito on the field more in that kind of role. Yeah, and that's a that's kind of a versatile piece you have there too in Vito. We know that they're very high on him, and I mean any way to get on the field, right? In a in a talented with a roster full of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, Next question is from Brandon. If you could choose one player to have a breakout season in football, who would it be? For me, the obvious answer is Will Levis or Joey Gatewood, and runner-up would be Jordan Wright. Breakout players, Derek. And I think Jordan Wright is probably one to, to kind of pick right there. We're talking yeah. with the length and stuff that Jordan has at, at a position where a lot – I mean, guys break out on that side of the ball. I would go Jordan Wright. Offensively, I'm going to go Keaton Upshaw. I think with a more consistent quarterback, with more, you know, balance in the passing game, I think that he has NFL written all over him with his body and his athleticism and his skill set. I think that he could end up being a guy that you're talking about every Saturday morning when it comes to SEC Nation and things like that, a guy that is just absolutely setting the league on fire if Kentucky gets a consistent passing game. I give you one on offense and one on defense, and I'm going to try to get really cute right here with the one on offense. I'm going to say a young man named Jatan McLean, who I think is going to be used primarily as a slot guy, honestly, is what I'm hearing. So he won't play. He won't play ahead of, uh, you know, he probably won't get the touches that Josh Ali and and, um, obviously Wondell Robinson are going to get. But I think you're going to see enough from McLean that you get really excited about his future. And I'm going to give you one even for next year, who I don't think it'll be – I think he'll show some stuff this year, but will be a good breakout pick in 2022 is Chauncey Magwood. I I think they really landed a, a good piece with him. Um, You've defensively, heard a lot of good things about him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's going to be a good player. I feel pretty good about that one. Defensively, Brandon, I, I think Jordan Wright is a great pick. Uh, yeah. You know, he's getting coached by Brad White. He's fifth year in the program. He's made big plays in the past. I, I think that's a very, very logical pick. I like that pick a lot. Um, I'm going to say Jalen Geiger, though. And, again, I've picked two guys right there that probably aren't going to be starters. But I think they're going to be guys that the way I kind of define it, and I know everybody kind of – I get the question, you know, break out. Like, the guys you pick are going to be guys that play a lot. I understand it. I'm more so picking guys that I think you're going to see enough from this year that get you really excited for next year. Yeah. So, I'm going to take Geiger there. But I really like the Jordan Wright pick. Um and then, um, obviously, I mean, I think Trevin Wallace has has a great opportunity to to be the guy that will become the face of the defense one day. Do you have one there you want to read? You see a question, another football one? Uh, yes, this is from Elliot. Okay. I, I couldn't. How, okay. How will Cavassier Smoke fit into the offense this season? Will he be more of a traditional running back or will he be more of a gadget slash swing player a la Tyler Irvin while he was in Green Bay? Good question. Uh, what do you think, Sean? I think getting him the ball out of the backfield will be a, more of a priority. What do you think? With his speed and how explosive he is and stuff, I think a lot of the running game is going to depend on Chris Rodriguez, obviously. Uh, but Smoke, with his skill set, we see how explosive he can be in the open field, Derek, if they can just get him the ball, just get it to his hands quick and give him space. 
Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I think with Smoke, um, with, with the priority that Liam Cohen has put on the running backs catching the ball out of the backfield, I think Chris Rodriguez will have to do that. I just think Smoke will probably be better. And does, that that, and does that help too? I mean, Smoke has been a guy that is that gets banged up quite a bit in his time. Yeah, at I was going to say that. Yeah, like Smoke's main priority, he's got to stay healthy, right? He's got to stay on the field. I mean, he – I think for him, you know, you can't he, – he's got to be able to do both, and he will. He'll still run the ball. But, like, you can't you can't be just a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield as a running back because no. obviously the defense will figure that out pretty quick. So, he – and he can do both. He's shown us. I mean, he was the guy his freshman year. That's who everybody talked about. Oh, for Chris Rodriguez, right? I mean, I remember <laughs> talking to you on the phone a lot about – how exciting smoke was. We and how said he was the best. I think you and I had a conversation that he was the best NFL back Kentucky had on its roster when it comes to getting drafted and playing the NFL. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I totally thought Chris Rodriguez was going to bounce like his freshman year when he fumbled yeah. a few times and didn't play. I said, this kid's not going to play. And now look at him. I mean, he's probably going to be uh, one of the best running backs in the SEC. So, so good on him. But, yeah, I, I see him definitely. You know, I don't think smoke's going to be uh, – I don't think he's ever going to be an every down type back for a team. He just doesn't have that kind of body. But I do think, I think he was somebody who will benefit as, you know, as much as anyone from an offensive coordinator change because I think he he will his strengths getting the ball out of the backfield. I think Cohen will, will try to get him involved in that way. So I do think that'll be a pretty big role for him this season. Yeah, and then what you see, what you were talking about with your Tom McLean, too, in the slot. I mean, you could see him doing some things out of the backfield yeah. as well. And, and get yeah. creative. I think that's the thing that we we're talking about this offense and what's so exciting is you've got pieces that you can see that, could, that can do multiple things. And I, I think that I like the makeup of it. Now it just comes down to who's the quarterback. Uh, and I don't, do we have any questions about the quarterback? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Let me make sure I don't have any in DMs. I'm trying to make sure because I don't want to move on to something else. I think that's it, Derek. So I think now is basketball. Do you see anything you want to start with there? Because I know with, you have my Twitter pulled up. Yeah, let's just start with uh, – let's start with Kyle. He says, Cal has prioritized shooting for this current roster, but is he doing that as well as with the 2022 class? I guess the way I would answer that real quick, Sean, and then I'll let you mostly talk on this one. Outside of Ty Ty, all of the main shooting from this class has come from the portal, correct? It has. So it's kind of hard to know. Uh, I, I think that will always be something, Cal. I think he will try to – hell, I don't know what he's going to do, honestly. I don't know if he's going to still just try to recruit the best high school guys he can and then try to build around with, with guys who can shoot. Um, but in terms of high school talent, it's been very hard to project how guys will shoot when they were in high school versus when they get to UK. I mean, even for some of the best – I saw like Deron Lamb. I mean, even a guy like Tyler Hero who was billed as supposed to be like a very good shooter, he had games where he looked really good, but I don't think his overall percentage was anything special, was it, from what I remember? Who? Tyler Hero. No, I, I don't think so. There, I, I do think, though, that almost – Cal's still going to recruit the crazy athletes and the, the long – explosive pieces I, I still see that happening and i just wonder is it i hope the portal doesn't become the go get shooting type thing or go get a big but they needed like a nate sestina or a reed travis like it was there for a few years with just a plug and fill i hope that they do look and i will say this scott clark does shoot the ball very well yeah 
everybody that I've talked to, talked to somebody recently, they said they saw him shoot the ball very well when they were watching him a few weeks ago. I saw him shoot the ball well. So the one guy that they do have right now can shoot the ball well from outside. So I think that's enough there. And then obviously it's it's hard to really tell until I get to see these guys in person. I mean, you can read scouting reports. Obviously, if you turn on YouTube, what do you see? You don't ever see the bad. You don't see the missed shots on a highlight video. That's why they're called a highlight video. So I want to wait until I see some of these guys in person before I really make an evaluation to say, yes, he is prioritizing shooting in this class. But I think another big thing too, Derek, because I expect some of these guys that are going to be really good shooters on Kentucky's roster this year to still be on Kentucky's roster next year. I don't think they're going to lose all those guys like a CJ Frederick, Dante Allen, Tata Washington. I think they're going to have some of those pieces come back and still be good shooters in addition to whatever they add in 22. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That kind of goes along with a question here from Go Big Blue 2455 um, He's reading out a phone number. <laughs> yeah reading an ad for uh or something he that's the second part was talking about guys staying but his first part is how many elite players do you think cow will land in the 22 class i would say around four or five right i mean if you're defining elite as like a five star high four star type then i would say probably four guys at least it's not going to be a three-person class like it was this past year i expect this class to be more along the lines of kentucky basketball standards where they'll take five that's what I would expect, four, four or five. And maybe they're not as active in the portal this time around. Are there going to be as many names in the portal this next year, Derek? I mean, obviously, right now, everyone had that option of a one-time transfer. Are those players – I mean, you're, you're talking you're still going to have the turnover to the NBA. You're still going to have the turnover, uh, things like that. So, I don't really know, but I think they'll land – they'll land their fair share of top 25 recruits. Uh, I would consider well, – are we talking elite being top 10 recruits? Or are we talking elite being anyone in that five-star range? If yeah. we're talking like the five-star range, I think they'll land four or five guys in the top 30. I mean, they always do, right? It seems like, yeah, it seems like a pretty safe bet. Yeah, but they're, they're going to uh, – to me, though, an elite class features two top 10 guys in it. And then you get a, a really good mix of those guys in between 10 to 30. And, I mean, obviously, we know there's still going to be a factor in player in the portal. I, I honest, If we're being honest right now, I have no idea what they're going to do. We know that a bunch of offers have been extended, a bunch of contacts been extended since the staff's been put together. But I don't think we'll really know what they're doing until we get to that October signing period in November there. Yeah, I mean, and you see with the G League and some of these other professional routes, it just seems like it's getting harder and harder to know until it gets later in the summer, early fall, who who the main targets are going to be. I've always – I mean, I've never in my career I've covered – my career I started off basically as a football recruiting guy. Never in my career have I ever been a basketball recruiting guy. So, just full disclosure for me, it's it's very hard for me to answer those kind of questions on who they're going to get. I mean, i got to defer to other people who do cover that. But the second part of that question 
Uh, it's more about what you're talking about before. So do you feel Wheeler and Frederick will stay two years in the program? I like Frederick staying more than I like Wheeler staying more, just given the position. Uh, I think uh, – Yeah, that, I'm with you. Yeah, I think that Wheeler – I mean, obviously you would take Wheeler, I think, more than one year, especially if he has a good year at UK. But we also know Wheeler still has his name in the draft, right? As of yeah, right now, I mean, is that, is that Kentucky? I mean, we know that he's flirted with – he has aspirations and hopes of being a professional basketball player. So I think the move to Kentucky was, in his mind, a one-year thing to put himself in a better position to make the league. It all depends on how he plays. But I, I'm not going to rule it out that both of them aren't on the roster next year, but I do think that one of them will be. I think Frederick, I said it the day he transferred, I think he's a multiple-year guy at UK. Yeah. Yeah, I feel – Feel good about Frederick being back and Wheeler. I, I, I don't really have anything else to add. I, I totally agree with you um, on everything you said. Let's go to some other basketball. Well, you want to put these two together, uh, UK Shane. Who do you think yeah. they'll get first on 22 basketball recruiting? The new staff looks like they're in on some good players. And then SBD says likelihood to land elite threes and fours for year 22. So throw them all together. Well, yeah, and Tanner Hall also, also asked the same question as UK Shane about who will be the first to commit. So yeah, we'll add all these together. I honestly, and that's the thing, like that is that's so hard to answer because I really don't know. You don't know timetables. You it's still early with a lot of these guys. I mean, obviously, we're sitting here on Friday and Jalen Duran decides to reclassify and play either college basketball this season or go to the G League. There's there's a ton of options on the table for him. So it's it's still early with these patterns that I really don't know who will be the first one to pull the trigger. I mean, you have Sky Clark in the class. Um I don't know. All I know is the staff has been in place now for a month, and it has significantly picked up its interest in pursuit of some guys. They're they're making contact. They're extending offers. They're reaching out multiple times. They're letting people know that they're interested or that they're they're ex- serious targets for UK. But I think it's we're still we need to get to me. We need to get through that July evaluation period, get through the summer, and get to August, and then I think that's when you kind of identify who and where they stand when it comes to – I mean, I know Dior Johnson's going to make a decision at some point, but I don't really know who's the first one to go, Derek, because I don't think we've been able to really get a good feel of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who I would guess. Like, I, They have extended more offers. I know a guy like Chris Livingston, who's a top-off player in the class, recently got an offer. Um, you know, Brandon Miller has an offer, but I, I don't know that these are guys that are – you know, close to making decisions by any means. Um, Sean, I know you do the podcast with Jack. He seems to be a very big fan of, uh, is it Lively? Derek Lively or Lively? Lively, Lively. yeah. I know he seems to be a very big fan of him, and he seems like a kind of guy that all the scouting people say. Right now he's ranked 35th in the composite, but it sounds like he, he should move way up the rankings. He's taking an official to UK. I'm sure he'll get offered. Do you think maybe he could be the guy potentially? I know Jack is very high on him. I talked to Jack on the phone last night. First time I talked to Jack since he had been on his trip out in Vegas. And boy, that that, that fits the elite mold that we're talking about. If you're if you're talking elite pieces pieces, that is that is a guy that you would love to see at Kentucky. Uh, not sure. I'll I'll defer to Jack and at some point and I'm sure we'll get into it on I know he had he recorded sources say with Zach yesterday I wasn't 
on that trip. Those two right now are more plugged in when it comes to 22 because they've been with these guys and stuff. But you're when you're talking elite, uh, the way Jack talked about him to me, uh, Jack obviously <laughs> liked what he saw out there in Vegas. But I, I do think that this 22 class, I mean, we're not, we not even talked about all the Texas guys yet. And the, right. the connection with, with Jay Lucas coming from Texas and, you know, things getting back to normal on the grassroots and, and recruiting and things. This is going to be a class that I think is going to be one of the the talented classes that John Calperi brings in. I don't think it's going to have a lot of weak spots in it. I think it's going to be a loaded class. Not sure how it plays out, though, with who it is, because I think you could shuffle around a number of pieces and still be a very good class. They're going to get their top-end guys out of the group that they're they're looking at, and then they're going to get that middle of the pack, those you know five-star guys, maybe high four-star guys. I do think when it's said and done, it will be another good class because this, this staff, having it in place, Derek, you, you see now that they're, they're sending Antigua and Chin and all these guys out there with phone calls and things. They're, they're making sure that they're making and kind of establishing – their foot in the door with a lot of these prospects. And then I would expect evaluations and stuff once we get through the summer. I, I'm, I'm still thinking late July, early August is when we'll have a better look at exactly what Kentucky is doing when it comes to this class. What happens with Jalen Duren? Is he at Kentucky? Is he somewhere else? Is he at Miami? Or does he go the pro route? Because then that, that cancels someone off your board. Yeah. Yeah, it always seems like August as you move into the fall closer to that signing period is, is when Kentucky is always kind of. And was I right about Johnson committing soon? I know he released the top five. Did, did he, he put out a commitment date? Yeah, I think it's later this month. And my understanding is uh, it's, it's not going to be Kentucky. No, for him. that's my uh, understanding as well. Uh, matter of fact, it seemed like some people were surprised that UK was even on the list. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I see we got a couple more, unless you have some in your DMs. But this question is from – uh, he has two questions. It's from Smooth86. Do you think C.J. Frederick will start over Ty Ty to start the season? His experience, shooting, and leadership will give him the edge over Ty Ty. And he also asks, uh, do you know when Oscar will be back with the team? Uh, I don't I don't know on Oscar. That's probably something we could find out. But I don't think it's – you know, obviously he has a lot further to go to, when he visits his family. Um, so I don't know when he will be back, but I'm sure it will be – relatively soon Sean I'm gonna say uh on the first question though it's CJ Frederick I I don't know I just get the feeling that Frederick's gonna start the year coming off the bench yeah that that's my thought and I I don't think there's really a wrong or right answer like if you start CJ Frederick then I think you're fine if you bring Tata off the bench or if you flip it and Tata starts and Frederick comes off the bench but I just look at it from when we talked about C.J. Frederick coming to Kentucky, Derek, we we talked about how at first, in our mind, it didn't really make as much sense when we looked at the roster. But when they added Ty-Ty and Frederick and all these other pieces, then I could see how it kind of fits. And I just feel like that that's the kind of guy that I think Cal wants coming off his bench. Yeah. Uh, I think almost that Ty-Ty Washington came to Kentucky under the assumption that he's probably going to start at one of those guard spots. And then the way that his family talked to me at – the Iverson Classic last month about him playing off the ball, that tells me it's another way to get him on the floor with Xavier Wheeler running the, the primary point guard position. So that's my opinion. And I do agree 
with Smooth 86 that Frederick, I mean, obviously you do have experience in shooting and, and leadership there, but I'm okay with shooting experience and leadership coming off the bench in yeah. that role, the way Darius Miller did in 2012. So I think that Cal's going to find the perfect blend there. And it may start the year with Frederick coming off the bench, and then by December he may be starting. I mean, we're gonna there's going to be some changes in the lineup, and if Fred and if if Tata doesn't start, you could start to see a, a lineup that features all experienced players in the starting five, which would be the first time it's ever happened under Cal, which is hard to believe. At some point this year, they will start a lineup that includes all sophomores through seniors or juniors. They they won't start anyone. There there will be a lineup where they won't start a freshman at some point. And it'll yeah. be it'll be the topic that we're all writing about that night because <laughs> it'll be the first time it's happened in 11 years, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, certainly a, a rarity. Um, this question's from the transaction. I like the name. Uh, if you could pick one player to build around in 2022, in parentheses, he has incoming freshmen, who would that be? Oh. I was a little confused by this question. I assume – did we, we come to an agreement that it would be basically the incoming freshman from this year as a sophomore next year? Yeah, Ty Ty, Damian Collins, and Bryce Hopkins is how I I interpreted that question. Of the three, oh boy, I, I'm gonna, I'm always going to lean guard because yeah. I, I point guard play and guard play wins you national championships. Ty Ty Washington would be the piece that I would say if you, if you gave me one to build around in 22, Tata Washington, that would, that would be my pick. It'd be mine too. Just because um, I, I just don't think, I think point guard play obviously sets the tone for you as a team. And if you've got good quality point guard play, I think you've got a good quality team. You saw that this past season, Kentucky did not have good point guard play and it was not a very good basketball team. Every year that Kentucky has been good, they've had really good point guard play. So that that would be me, uh, a multiple year guy, a, an experienced piece, and a guy that has NBA potential. If you do get him for a second year, I still don't think. And that's the other the other side of this question. If he comes back, how good was Kentucky this coming season? I still think they can be good because I like all the pieces they have. Yeah, but I would build around a point guard. I'm with you. I, I think that one's pretty easy too, to to pick just because I think. You know, I think Bryce Hopkins has really good potential, um, but I, I don't. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy you'd build your team around. And then with Damian Collins, you know, who, who knows how far along he will be this year? But I think Kentucky's always going to have quality bigs on the roster. I just and too, I just think it's you know, unless you have just an absolute force at the five or whatever or four, or whatever he's going to play. I just think it's kind of hard to build a team around that anyway it does seem like you know the kind of the guard especially in college basketball is the way to go so i'm with you on that one that's that's all i see sean you, you have uh, i got one in my dms this is from back to final four most likely 2022 plus like going 22 or 23 or reclass candidates to end up at uk in basketball well obviously jalen duran has decided you know that he's going to reclass and we'll play either college basketball this fall or professionally. That as of right now, that's the the name to watch. And according to some, you know, Kentucky's obviously a player there, Derek. I don't know 
where he ends up. Obviously, there's there's other options there. That list is long. You know, the G League's there. Miami's there. Kentucky's there. Uh, going to be one to watch over the coming weeks and into next month uh, to see exactly what happens. But that would be the name that I'd throw out now, just be, given the timing. Well, he's he's interesting too. I don't want to I don't want to be misunderstood when I say this. If the potential number one player in the country wants to play on your basketball team, I mean you're probably going to take him. Do you see any kind of element though, Sean? It kind of feels like this, at least in my mind. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It just kind of seems like we've kind of settled on what the roster is going to be. And I just kind of wonder how that dynamic would be shaken. Yeah. If you were to add another piece that good to the, to the equation, I'm not saying he shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I think that's a real angle you got to look at is he's better than all the guys Kentucky has in their front court. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if he wants to come here, you'd be foolish not to take him. But do you, do you do that or do you go get paid a million dollars? Well, what do you do if you're, I mean, if I'm Jalen, I just, I would take the, I'm 17 years old. I take the money. And with NIL, though, do you think Kentucky takes this approach, though, Derek, with NIL that they can market players better than other schools, or is marketing even really matter? How did like is it even about that? I don't know enough about the NIL stuff and what Kentucky plans to do to like have like a good money range on what these guys are going to make. So I don't know like. I still think there are a lot of – I mean, this is just me covering college sports. Like, I've seen where these guys stay when they travel on the road. Like, I see the experience they have in a normal year. It has to be a more glamorous – I guess what I'm trying to say is for the comfort and the development you can get at UK and the experience, I think that might outweigh pure money – like, you know, if you're going to get a base million dollars from the G League, I think if you can make, like, five hundred to $750,000 at UK and still get that experience, I almost still feel like UK is a better experience, even if you're not going to get paid quite as much. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you're still going to be on TV a lot. I think you're still going to develop really well at UK. So I think that will be a choice some kids will have to build. But, again, that's without me knowing. To me, it would – it would maybe I just don't know enough about it. Maybe I'm just too ignorant to it. And it would kind of surprise me to see a kid making a million dollars off endorsements at UK, honestly, yeah. in, in eight months. But I don't know that. And he has a visit scheduled for yeah. UK. So, I mean, obviously, UK has been, you know, a factor in his decision. But is this more of a – is this more of just maybe a show just to make it look like there's a decision to make? Because anytime I, – I just feel like anytime you look up and you see the Blue Bloods, or you see any program in college basketball, and then you see G League or something out there, including in that top five. There's one side. Obviously, money's going to be involved in all of it now. And one thing, too, that should add, how much money is paid can be paid under the table if he goes to college basketball. I mean, let's just not just in Kentucky. Let's just talk in general. There's money under the table everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, but I would still – I'm going to say he will not be at Kentucky. I, I don't know anything about it, but I would – it just doesn't seem like one of those, does it? It just doesn't seem like one of those things where we're looking up in July and he's on UK's roster. If he is, holy cow, Kentucky. Kentucky just ended up going from good to really, really freaking good. And, again, I'm not on the every single day basketball beat, but this did seem like surprising news today whenever it was announced that he's reclassifying. And if he wants to come to Kentucky, you know what you do? 
you make a spot for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that, that dude is a freak. Like you make a spot for him and you say, sorry guys, I, I know we did this, but he's, he's, yeah, we got to take this guy. He's better than anybody Kentucky has in the front court. He would be the best player on Kentucky's basketball team by a long shot. If he plays at Kentucky and that, I mean, you make a spot for that, but uh, who knows what the heck's going to happen and stuff. I mean, there's there's so many things changing and moving right now with college basketball that I don't know if you can really get a pulse for what's going to happen in the coming months. Let's let NIL kind of play out, all this other, other stuff play out, and then we'll uh, we'll figure out exactly what's going on. But another solid mailbag, first mailbag in probably two weeks, maybe a little longer. Uh, as always, it's powered by Blue Wire Pods, and this one is also powered by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. A great location to get out and catch a game or just grab dinner. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting out to Wings and Rings at some point, Derek. I know that's something that you've I've talked about for a bit. And uh, once maybe one day when you're making your way down to Corbin or something, I can meet you up there and we can get a, an episode. Maybe let people know a few days ahead of time, you people that are close to Wings and Rings, maybe make it out there and stuff and, and sit and maybe throw in some questions in, in person. Yeah, for Kentucky Daily. Yeah, don't even give us time to kind of look at these things. Like, just put us on the spot yeah. one day. But hopefully you enjoy both these episodes as we move into the weekend. Uh, as it stands, I think Derek and I both will be at Memorial Coliseum with uh, Xavier Wheeler, if, unless something changes. Who knows about me? Might not even make it up. But <laughs> now plan to be in Lexington Friday night and then possibly on Saturday as well for some interviews, some in-person interviews. But It's been another exciting episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time. 